The Compliance Life details the journey to and in the role of a Chief Compliance Officer. How does one come to sit in the CCO chair? What are some of the skills a CCO needs to successfully navigate the compliance waters in any company? What are some of the top challenges CCOs have faced and how did they meet them? These questions and many others will be explored in this new podcast series. The Compliance Life is hosted by Tom Fox, and each month he'll present the story of one CCO through four episodes. The Compliance Life is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. This month on the Compliance Life, I visit with Natalia Shaheda. Natalia is currently the Chief Compliance Officer at ABB Lummis. For the next four podcast episodes, we'll take a look at Natalia, her unique background, college and law school. She comes from a multicultural, multilingual family from birth and in marriage, and is always doing something professionally that allows her to see the world and carry her journey forward. She moves to her early professional career and into the corporate world and what prepared her. She began her career on Capitol Hill in Washington and later moved to private practice and then to the corporate world and see how that informed her views around compliance. In episode three, she moves to the CCO chair at some very high-profile companies that were under significant government scrutiny and talks about the unique experiences, joining corporate families, and how the beauty of travel and connection across the globe has helped inform her global view of what a compliance program not only should be, what a compliance program can be. In episode four, we take a look at some of the key lessons learned uh, that she has had, where the CCO chair may be headed into 2025 and beyond, and what culture really means in an organization. This is a fascinating series on the compliance life. Natalia is a great friend and a great friend of the compliance profession. I know you'll enjoy it. Thanks so much for listening to this month's The Compliance Life. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox welcoming you back to another episode of The Compliance Life. You're in for a real treat today because I have with me uh, Natalia Shahada, and she has had as varied a career as anyone we visited with in this podcast series. So Natalia, first of all, welcome. Uh, Thank you so much for taking the time to visit with me today. Tom, such a pleasure to be with you. I thank you for the opportunity. So uh, when I say unique backgrounds, I mean unique backgrounds, certainly for the people I've visited with so far in this podcast series. So I was wondering if you could talk about uh, your background, maybe college and law school, and uh, sort of uh, then your early professional career. Delighted. Um So schooled in the States um, after coming here very young, originally born in Spain, had the pleasure of being educated here in our great state of Texas in Houston. I'm a University of Houston graduate from the business school there. And then our beloved South Texas College of Law. And in law school, both in, I think, at university and in law school, I was bit by my family bug um, coming from a, a pretty interesting sort of cu- diverse cultural background and wanted to desperately do something international related. And so following law school, I moved to Washington, D.C. and had the privilege of going to Capitol Hill um, to work on trade policy as a legal intern with the Ways and Means Subcommittee on, uh, um, Subcommittee on uh, International Trade. And from there... Let me stop you there because uh, we've had some pretty unique stories about how people got into compliance 
from as varied as uh, congratulations, you're not a compliance officer for this company, to uh, what is compliance. But your story is unique as anyone else. So could you tell us about the story of how you got to the Hill and got into uh, uh, trade compliance, not trade compliance, but trade issues, which led to trade compliance, because this is a fascinating story. Happy to. So it all goes back to Dean Cherry Taylor, at who's the Dean of Academics at South Texas College of Law. And I was in my first year of law studies, and I had the privilege of meeting her and having a conversation around this thing called international trade. And all I really knew was I had a passion for all things international, for languages, for business, um, and how could that come together in a marriage, in a law career? And she introduced me to what we call international trade. And she said, Natalia, it's nothing more complicated than money um, and international. And I said, okay, so far, so good. And she got me thinking about what trade was in through the lens of legal opportunity. And I learned about trade litigation, sort of anti-dumping you know, dumping and countervailing duty practices. I learned about trade policy from free trade agreements, bilaterals and things. And I learned about trade regulation, export controls, customs, and so forth. And after law school decided I want to do something in trade and just the stars aligning um, quite uniquely for me and landing right out of school in a legal intern position for the Ways and Means Subcommittee on International Trade with the chief counsel at the time, Angela Ellard. Um, through a, a networking event. So, you know, for those of us introverts who don't necessarily like to do a lot of networking, the power in being in the right place at the right time through an organization called the Organization of Women in International Trade. And that landed me on the Hill at a really exciting time in trade policy in the fall of 1999, um, where the Hill was working on the CAFTA free trade agreement um, and other other similar issues. And that really just gave me the vantage point of seeing what trade policy looked like in action. Shortly thereafter, stars aligning again, I had an opportunity to join a law firm in a trade regulatory practice. So doing export controls um, from a defense counseling perspective, and that socialized um, an enforcement sort of white collar practice for me, um, representing multinational clients who had had some troubles um, in the compliance space on the export control side on economic sanctions compliance issues. And so very quickly then I went from, you know, a small stint on the policy side to a pretty robust trade regulatory practice. And of course, I'm talking, you know, 2000, and we didn't really call it compliance back then. So we really referred to it as, as trade regulatory trade defense. And that socialized for me the whole regulatory side and the white collar side of what a defense practice could be representing companies before enforcement agencies like OFAC and the Bureau of Industry and Security and custom, what we now, you know, Customs and Border Protection and, and uh, ICE and so forth. And um, counseling those clients implicated counseling them on other multinational issues like the FCPA. And that defense practice was about 50% defense as I moved around firms in Washington, D.C. to 50% compliance counseling and helping them not just write the proverbial ship of whatever consequences they were facing and not having gotten a particular area of the regulatory law right to how did they ensure it wouldn't happen again. And that really gave me the interest to see what I call behind the curtain. How were companies after we were defending them in whatever enforcement action and consequences that 
resulted from that? How were they managing their compliance life organizationally on an ongoing basis? With some clients, you were afforded the opportunity to be their counsel for years and others after a complex enforcement action said, okay, thanks. It's been great knowing you, but I'm tired of your face after four years of this case. Um, and that uh, just, you know, serendipity. Shell uh, called in 2007 and said, why don't you come over? And that was the opportunity to see behind that proverbial curtain of how did we make um, a compliance practice? And specifically in that, in that opportunity for me, an international trade compliance practice, operate and live and breathe as an ongoing organism in a, multi, in a very large multinational organization. And just thrilled to have been in-house uh, now 13 years ever since. I don't talk to too many people who have been involved in congressional policy around anti-corruption, trade policy, anti-money laundering. So could you say a few words about how that might may have informed your professional journey and how really starting out on the policy writing side uh, has helped you? As junior, I was in that role. Let me be clear, as a, as a legal clerk, I think one of the greatest gifts is really elucidating the intergovernmental process. So as the Hill is considering trade policy, there's an extraordinary consultative um, element to that process. The State Department, the involvement of the State Department, the involvement of the Commerce Department, um, the involvement certainly now of what we call the Department of Homeland Security. And as they then shortly thereafter transitioned to the regulatory side of the practice, um, I remember working on a crisis situation for a client I won't name. Um, there was a, a barge that had run aground offshore Cuba, and it was the hull had been breached, and there was fear that um, tens of thousands of tons of crude oil was going to end up on the south shores of Florida. And the crisis implicated the Cuba sanctions, it, it implicated export controls. And on an emergency basis, I found myself Friday afternoon running in a taxi around Washington, D.C., literally going from department to department, trying to advocate for an emergency export control license to enable a stevedoring company to go lift that tanker um, and mitigate what could have been an environmental disaster, not only for Cuba, but for the United States. And that brief time on the Hill taught me about that key intergovernmental process, that the legislators are trying to set the policy, but the regulators and the executive branch there are to execute. And there's a lot of conversation that needs to go on. Um, and it was a real privilege to be in Washington and work on some of those matters. And um, whether it was as a gopher at the time or then as a rising attorney, um, managing and seeing how the inner workings of Washington, there, there definitely are some things that, that work um, and justice can be served on an urgent basis. I think when you're talking to the right people with for the right cause. And then how did your experience in private practice help inform your ideas about uh, const uh, creation or design, implementation, or even enhancement of a compliance program in-house? Well, I think the beauty of an, of an outside counsel practice is the diversity of what we see. At any given time, you know, in my private practice days, we were representing um, small, medium, large organizations from the defense contracting space to the IT space to the agra or pharma space and eventually oil and gas. And so I think the beauty of that is to be able to present now in-house a diversity of perspective of how did we, whether it was on the defense side or in the creation of compliance programs, how can you go about taking best practices and nonetheless making it bespoke for different environments. So I feel that the private practice time gave that perspective and vantage 
then to be able to come in house and say, okay, well, I've seen it in this kind of organization. I've seen it in this kind of sector, this kind of industry. I've seen it in a domestic context. I've seen it in a multinational context. Um, and then, you know, hopefully add that value in house where it's just a different, conver- you know, it's a different conversation. It's a different level of granularity and texture to make sure that we're taking those, that diversity of perspective, but now really making it tailor-made um, for a particular organization so that it achieves that lasting impact that we're all driving. Natalia, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time for this episode, uh, but I greatly look forward to continuing the conversation. Thank you so much, Tom. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. Thank you again for listening to this episode of The Compliance Life. I hope you will join me again next week where I take up another episode with Scott Sullivan in The Compliance Life. The Compliance Life is a production of The Compliance Podcast Network. If you would like to be featured on The Compliance Life, please uh, give me an email at uh, tfox at tfoxlaw.com. Also, if you like this series, please give us a rating on iTunes. Uh, Any review and rating would definitely help get the word out about the latest addition to the Compliance Podcast Network. Thanks again. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.